What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. You're up. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Today, we've got some hype coming in. We're talking about Throne of Eldraine. Hell yeah, baby. This set has some insane artwork. Yes, I've been the artwork on stoked. this. So Woo. this set, it's all about fairy tales and knights and fantasy themes. But before we get into that, we got to dive into some beers. Oh, man, you know what I should have done? Because of the, the theme of the sets, I should have got us some nice English-style beers. Ooh, that would have been We, we kind of went one of those. I got some beers. Gary, and you actually have one that is from the UK. The UK. The UK. This beer here, I have had it called since before it was purchased because it literally has my name on it. Well, not your name. It's not Gary and John Wells. No, but this is from Wells... Yeah, I mean, they're, it's not even Wells Brewing. They just call themselves Wells, <laughs> and they've been brewing since 1876. Wells, so, Wells, Wells. Wells, Wells, Wells. This is a banana bread beer, which, if you like banana, that sounds delicious. We're rocking 5.2% ABV, so not terribly alcoholic, and 18 IBUs. I mean, it looks good. You can smell the banana. Oh, yeah. First thing you smell, for me... <laughs> Banana. Taste is more of the subtle, kind of round parts of the banana. It's not quite as sweet as a as a banana, which is probably a good thing. Um, it's kind of like a a funky wheat beer with just stronger banana overtones than you'd get from maybe like a a saison or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the smell is more banana than the actual taste. But is it just me, or is that a very dry beer? Oh, it is dry, yeah. Mm. Which kind of gives it that uh, banana bread texture. <laughs> yeah, I think the forefront is there's a, it's banana heavy, and then it just mellows out into just a nice wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a very wheaty ale. Yeah. Andrew, you said you're not a huge banana fan, right? I am not a fan of banana at all. The longer it sits, you get more banana. It's developing. I'm a huge fan. Oh yeah, that's that's delicious. a good beer. The thing is, though, is that it's the older banana that you use for banana beer, which I yeah, think is like kind of apropos one. of this beer. Yeah, because it's super ripe, super yeah. sweet. Yeah. All right, and for me, I've got the Founders, which is a brewery. You know, have been going back to it's a brewery. We enjoy. We've got the Backwoods Bastards, which is an ale aged in bourbon barrels. So this is a Scotch ale or a wee heavy, Ooh. and it's a it's, wee heavy. Yeah. And it's 11%, so that's the reason why I actually brought up We Heavy is because it is kind of heavy. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but this is the second bastard beer you've had. There's a theme running along this. <laughs> Gary sees bastard and he says, Drew, this is yours. This is just a good scotch ale. Like, honestly. Scotch ales are so good. I love them. The alcohol presence is there, but it's not overpowering. I mean this in the best way possible, but it smells like soy sauce. Weird. You'll you'll have to confirm or deny it. I will deny. <laughs> but it is just a really good, easy drinking Scotch ale. Looks Which like for eleven percent, I, I, I thought you don't list IBUs, so for eleven percent, it's strong. But it's, I 
totally think it smells like soy sauce. It smells like a, a real salty, savory kind of. It's a lot lighter and that is weird. Thinner than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, that, that's the scotch ale. Yeah, because yeah, when you were pouring that, it looked it looked thick and it's yeah. super dark and it, it retained its head. I, th- for I thought it was gonna all be. of the glamour shots that we do. Corey had to pour, and it was the second one that we did, and that one was just chilling for so long. It, yeah, it lasted longer than all three of them. That has a really salty taste to it, too, I think. I do taste the alcohol, but like you said, it's not super sharp or up front. But it, it is a little bit salty compared to most beers yeah. that I've had. And Corey, for you, uh, again, we went for a brewery that we've had before, one that really impressed us. We had the Tank 7 from Boulevard before, and I saw this one, and I couldn't... I just couldn't not get it. Yeah, so I'm drinking the Bourbon Barrel Quad Barrel Aged Ale, like you said, from Boulevard. And it's 26 IBUs at an 11.2%. Yeah, so it is a Belgian-style quadruple. Another heavy one. This one just smells like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like compared that's to... that's all I can smell. Yeah, mine has this kind of sweet, and honestly, yeah, I will say there's like some sort of saltiness. It's like got some weird... It's not Funk. gross. It's like sweet and savory. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily salty, but like that sweet and savory. The closest thing that I could identify your beer as was soy sauce, but yeah. it's just smell. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't taste like soy sauce. No, it does taste a little salty, but not. This only smells like alcohol, and you can't taste any of the alcohol. This Ooh. is incredible. <laughs> That's the way it should be. It's incredibly smooth. Yeah, this is the beer that I was I was eyeing, and then Gary and just like you're the bastard of the episode. So <laughs> I'm not really getting a lot of bourbon tastes from it no mine is also aged in bourbon barrels and you don't really taste yeah. that as much either i would expect kind of like a, a woody kind of a woody kind of whiskey taste to it but it, it didn't really have it yeah this one doesn't have any of that yeah yours hmm. yours smells i don't know how to say this in a, a good way but it smells like a, a whiskey that's been left overnight <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just smells like straight alcohol but i don't taste any alcohol yeah the taste i don't know how to quite pick it it's down very sweet yeah yeah and i mean it kind of does have like a little bit of like the scotch wood kind of flavor like oh, really? the wood no, that I... I got from like the monkey shoulder that we had but not any of those weird acrid bitter notes i don't know it, it the bitterness is kind of like, like on the sides of the tongue for me and like just right towards the end but yeah that's uh, good beer i think these are all fine beers one is of a lesser quality shots by Talking about the banana one because you don't like banana. No, it has your name on it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get sponsored by I Wells. Don't like Wells either. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was just while well, you guys were talking about your beers, I went and looked up. So the Wells and Youngs Brewery. It is a combination of the Charles Wells, combination of the Charles Wells and Youngs Brewery, and uh, so they kind of became merged in 2006. And so I think that's just of the older style that they made from when it was just the. The Wells, Wells. yeah. We got to get into it. People want to know about Eldrain. Yeah, let's like, get into the hype. Yeah, so the hype is that this set looks fucking dope, right? Like, they've Sweet. got new card frames. They've got new, uh, like, card... Mechanics. St- yeah, mechanics, the style. The They've got the kind of, like, split-cost cards merged in a different way. Uh, have their own, like, unique framing and everything like that. Uh, but before we get further into why that is how it is, what about... What do you guys think of the power level of the set? We've all played a pre-release or two. I think the overall power level is lower than the past sets, but I agree. the past sets have been Planeswalker heavy, yeah. which are generally just really good, and just a lot more focused because we had the guilds and stuff. And this one, 
it's 10 out of 10 flavor wise. Oh yeah. The flavor on this set is unreal. insane. And then I think it's just a more balanced set. Well, obviously there's some bombs that just destroy, which again, we'll, we'll talk about, <laughs> but I think overall it's not quite as powerful. Yeah. I think if we just compare like the past four sets, I guess the sets that are going to be in standard when this mm-hmm. releases, right? We've got Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance, War of the Spark, M20. I think it's more powerful than M20. I think yeah. M20 had the potential to be powerful, but the cards just have not lived up to what the expectation is, except for basically like ley lines and then like the ultra powerful, like obvious mythics. Yeah, and I think that's okay for a core set. Yeah, agreed. And then War of the Spark was obviously just one of the most powerful sets we've yeah. had in standard in a long time. Um, and then as Corey was saying, Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance were so focused on the guilds that the synergy and design behind them, like you look at Demir, you know, like it's so synergistic, but then the additional color that goes with that was red because of the jumpstart mechanic from Is It, And those played really, really well into each other. And so they had this like really nice uh, core synergy going on with those. And then you get into Ravnica Allegiance and it's, it's the same thing, right? You have uh, like the Rakdos and Orzhov, which really played well together because they shared that color black and those mechanics were very synergistic with each other once you started going with them. Yeah, just the idea that all of those guilds had their own mechanic that they all fed into is just a lot better than just the sort of usual deck archetypes or the new archetypes that we see here. So, well, speaking of the deck archetypes, uh, let's talk about just an overview for the set. We'll try and go through this as fast as possible so we can actually get to the, the goodies, talk about the oh, cards yeah. themselves. Um, so the idea is that this is kind of the kingdoms versus the wilds. I put the wilds in quotes here because I don't know if that's like the proper name for it or whatever. Uh, but the idea is that the king of the, the land or whatever, King Kenrith, went missing. Turns out he got transformed to an elk and was just running around. His kids, who were the planeswalkers... Uh, Will and Rowan. Yeah, uh, which we saw in Battlebond. Yeah. And so they share a spark, and they're doing cool stuff. Uh, and so there's five kingdoms based on the Arthurian legend. And so if you don't know about that, everyone should know at this point in time about King Arthur and Merlin and all that fun stuff. Um, so the idea is that they're searching for the king, right? And then you've got the wilds, which is like fairy tales. Uh so you got Grim Fables or Aesop Fables or Grim Fairy Tales, whatever you grew up with. These are those stories. Uh, so there's five kingdoms, one for each color, and the kind of synergistic colors that we see. We've got Mardu Knights. Uh, there's knights in every color technically, but that's where it's really focused. And then we've got the Naya Wilds, which is kind of like the fairy tale plus just Makes like sense. classic stories and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think that Blue kind of fits into both. It, blue has like heavy fairies and stuff like that, and it kind of fits into the wilds, uh, but not as much as what we see, like the non-human aspect of the white, red, and green. Yeah, blue, it's like the fairies and stuff like that, but it also has like the, the wizards and the magicians and stuff like that for the that feed into the fairy tale theme. So this set, like we were saying, where it's not super focused on guilds or anything like that, it does have some archetypes, but you have to search a little harder as you get through them. We've got a really good theme of white black knights with a like a life gain sub theme yeah so it sets like this i like to look at what the multicolored cards are because those are like your signposts like hey this wants to do this right and so there's whatever it is the resolute right or something like that that you can give it lifelink and indestructible and it's a knight like that's the white black and you'll see that for all of these we're not going to talk about every single one but that's just a really really good example of how we're making this uh statement yeah weirdly enough a lot of the bigger signpost cards are actually the commanders for brawl which we don't have on here because it's a separate set we yeah we'll, but we'll have those a small synergies and those themes carried over into that 
Yeah, which I think they had to do as a design perspective because those cards are, I think, all but one of them is going to be legal in standard. I think Unless so. they're all legal in standard, which... Sorry, Gary, I interrupted you. I'll let you finish this. <laughs> well, we've got a couple other archetypes that show up. White, blue, the Azorius colors are very enchantment and artifact focused. Of course, you know, blue, white, blue flyers. And then when we move over to white, green, we've got adventures kind of theme so the wilds so adventures is one of the new mechanics introduced in the set and like drew was saying with the split cards it's similar to the split cards in that there's usually there's an instant or sorcery and a creature on the same card yeah i i think the best comparison that i've been able to make is towards our devastation yeah where they had those split cards where one you could cast from graveyard but you have to cast one before you can cast the other or unless it gets milled or something like that yeah but the description i gave gary and was that you have your creature, and it goes on an adventure, so you play the instant or sorcery, and then you play the creature as it comes back from the adventure. Yeah, so you can play either or first, but if you play the instant or sorcery, it gets exiled, and then you can later play it as a creature. And from exile. Timing rule still applies and stuff, but if you play it as a creature first, then you can't play it I'm as so the adventure. I'm so bummed that they didn't allow you to tap that creature and then do the adventure like, would, oh that see you later so i gotta go on an adventure the, the effects would have been so so much better <laughs> no they would have been so much more powered down because if you could just tap it and then go on the adventure then they'd be insane yeah, like, the abilities yeah. that are on there would have been insane like the i think it's one that gary has on his list but one of Giant them is literally slayer. just yeah exactly you can kill dark creature power for a great yeah and that was the real big one because i wanted that to come out turn one and be able to actually okay. start tapping down creatures. It's also just a tapper on its own. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll it's talk really good. All right, uh, so we've got white, red, which is knights in combat. Again, that's the Mardu colors. It, it tags well with uh, white and black. Uh, black, blue is kind of control, and it has this, I think, honestly, kind of strong mill theme going on to yeah. it. Um, and it also cares about your graveyard and your opponent's graveyard, especially black. Yeah, and then we've got black, green, sacrifice, aristocrats esque stuff. There's a lot of graveyard recursion, and I, I think the nickname for this deck was food fight because <laughs> you were using the food mechanic which is a new mechanic which just makes tokens artifact tokens that you can pay to tap and sack them and gain three life which doesn't sound sound very good but they're Again, surprisingly yeah, useful so a lot of the cards care about food or make food they make food yeah, black they, and green like, are like the food centric they sacrifice food to do certain effects like kill spells or pump creatures stuff like that so black and green played around a lot with the food mechanic and just sacrifice themes as you would expect yep and then black red we've got rakdos uh it's kind of a knight's theme still we're in that those mardu colors but also uh, some equipment going on that really helps enable that strategy and there's a little bit of sacrifice in there as well yeah um and then we've got blue green simic which unsurprisingly ramp and big boys we're just yeah, pumping out fatties. Simic is just good enough on its own that they didn't really need to give it anything cool. <laughs> what else does Simic really need? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's not like something that was very specific that I saw, but like the signpost card is a 2 2 fairy that also taps for green or blue. And that card is yeah, also a flyer. And, and, and there's like the. Rally. And then we've got Is It or Blue Red, which this was. My uh, favorite. This was a, a really cool mechanic, and it's interesting for Is It because. It, is it's usually the spell slinger colors which makes sense for kind of what they went with yeah so this mechanic didn't really have a name i i i gave it a name and we'll talk about that because it's one of the things i'm most looking forward to (laughs) but it a lot of the cards just cared about whenever you draw your second card for the turn yes there's a lot of looting and rummaging effects in it so 
loot, you draw a card, then discard a card. Rummage, you discard, then draw. And yeah, so there's so, a lot of cards uh, going there. And the signpost card was actually uh, Will and Rowan. It was the Planeswalker card. And their plus one, maybe it's plus two, is draw a card, then discard a card. And if that doesn't tell you that that's what the deck wants to do, then I don't know what does. Yeah, and so there's a lot of cool ones that, like, one of them, Lightning Bolts, and the other one makes fairies. Like, a lot of cool stuff like that. They just You get value just for drawing cards. which is already really strong. So just that incidental value made is it really really good and then if you knew that a set like this was going to be sort of the the castle and the the elite versus the wilds and you had to pick one pair of colors to represent the wilds not gruel then die <laughs> gruel so we got red green which is i just put as the wilds because it was the one color pair that really seemed to just like embrace that the most like there was a lot of like adventures and fairy tale stuff going on in uh white green but red green cared so much about non-humans and giants yeah specifically a lot of cards say non-human creatures and so this is like a lot of like trolls and ogres and what dragons. else could you expect from gruel you i know? know right it was great yeah it was it was great all right so let's go through our top cards for limited uh we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the cards that uh played well at our pre-release cards that we use cards that were played against us uh cory why don't you start up? okay so I'll try and get to this pretty quick, but my first card that I have, and these weren't really in any order, they're just awesome cards, but this one, I thought it was going to be good, but it was insanely good. good. Fuck this card. It's Witching Well. It's a one-drop artifact for a single blue. So interestingly enough, in this set, a lot of the artifacts are colored artifacts. You don't see that very often. Yeah, the actual colorless artifacts, I saw most of them are actually artifact creatures. Yeah. I had one pool that I only had two non-creature artifacts and i still had like 10 or 12 artifacts in my pool which is way more than you normally get yeah so witching well reads when witching well enters the battlefield scry two awesome just one blue awesome so i use this a lot to save my hands if i kept a a sketchy hand with like one or two lands just get greedy yeah i would get greedy if i had a witching well because i can just scry two could, and yeah. then it, if they're both lands i can keep them on top if they're not i can just chuck them to the bottom so i can just keep up the tempo and what were your colors just real quick so i was running bant for this pre-release and i was heavy in blue so i could reliably play witching well a lot so you might have thought that that was all the witching well was just sky two but it has three in a blue sacrifice it draw two cards four mana draw two is literally a spell they've printed multiple times yeah so this is an incredibly good turn one play and then it fills your hand later in the game. I was going to say, and it scales. If you have to play this on turn five, you might actually just do both. Yeah. And yeah, you try two and then <clears throat> draw two. Like, if you just, you know, feed your top deck, it's real good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that because it's a non-creature artifact, there's things like Animating Fairy, which turns uh, non-creature artifacts into 4-4 four, four creatures. Uh, and then your other card on your list. So, yeah, my other card was Oko, Thief of Crowns, which is a Planeswalker, a one green and a blue. For a four loyalty counter, legendary planeswalker Oko, plus two is to create a food token. It's I. Plus one, notice there's no minus one. It's their two plus abilities. Target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness 33. And then its last ability is minus five. Exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls power three or less. So the idea on its own is you can make a food token, then make the food token into an elk, and then switch that elk with something else cool, or you can just start switching stuff around after you start plussing it up a bit. Oftentimes, 
I would just turn the witching well into a 3-3 and start swinging. <laughs> yeah, it works pretty well. It, it just was incredibly synergistic. And I actually, this was the only green card that I ran in my <laughs> deck. So I was kind of, I was playing fast and loose. <laughs> I mean, if, if you pull this next card, you play this next card. Right, but this card, I'm just talking about Oko still. I also pulled him. And I also played him. That was that was. I ended up switching into Soul Tide just to run him because of the six players that I played at my first pre-release. I played four people that had Oko, and he just has so much value, and it's just so grind. Like you'd expect, like Demir or Zorius to be the grindy decks, but it was Simic the every single time. food decks were so grindy. Yeah, yeah, grindy is <laughs> incredibly good in limited. Yeah, because life matters so much. So I went to draws. I went to time three times. Yep. Because of Oko. Me well, yeah. I, like, I literally had one well. game where I won and then went to a draw. Um, and the last card, I was gonna talk about it, but Corey, you beat me to the punch. Questing beast. I don't know if there's a boogeyman in limited formats usually. I do. It's called Questing Beast. But <laughs> this is the guy. I played against this card and every time I played against it, I just lost. Like it's just so hard to beat. It's Two green green for a legendary creature beast. Four four. Four 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 four. Okay. Vigilance, death touch, haste. Fuck. Okay. That's that's not bad. Questing beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Okay. Shit. Okay. And yet there's more. Combat damage that will be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. This is the most irrelevant in limited, but it's still a good ability. So it's keyword soup. Can't be chumped. And but also just kills we're not everything. Done yet. Yeah, there's one more ability <laughs> on this thing. It's whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. So I didn't actually have to play against Questing Beast whenever I had my Oko out, oh, which was great lucky. because I think it was my first two games that I played against Questing Beast, and then it was Questing Beast and Oko in the same. Like, I don't know. That dude was playing so many of his rares. It was it was frustrating, but it was a long grindy match. And as soon as I saw Questing Beast. Well, as Corey said, he lost to it every time someone played it, and it was the same way for me. Like, the way that I, I th- saw Questing Beast is that if it was out in a game, you've probably already lost. Yep. If you can't counter it, you, you lose. Yeah, I the one time I came close to beating it, I came up with a strategy that just ended up taking too long, but I was going to make it a 3-3 with Oko, and then switch it with the food, and then have my own little 3-3 Questing Beast, but he gave a trample... Got through all my defenses and then just killed my Oko. So I was like, okay, this is dead. <laughs> all right. I guess I'm up next. Uh, the first one is the Brimstone Trebuchet. Uh, I think the meme right now going around is just that it's the Trebucket, which I think came from Loading Runs Runs pre-release, which of I course. find hilarious. Uh, so it's two and a red for a 1-3 Defender and Reach. It's an artifact creature that is a wall. Uh, it has the ability tap. Brimstone Trebuchet deals one damage to each opponent. And also has this just crisp, nice, clean effect. Whenever a knight enters the battlefield under your control, untap Brimstone Trebuchet. So there's knights in all colors. Uh, it's really focused in the Mardu colors, but red has a lot of them. Black has a lot of them. Um, so this is one of the things that I've said ever since. I think it was Ixalan, maybe it was Rivals of Ixalan, uh, the Storm Rig Runner or whatever it was, the little tapper. No one expects tappers to be as good as they are, right? No one expects the bucket as, you know, as it's been called, to be as good as it is, right? They're always underrated. And if you can ping twice in a turn and not have to do anything, and the thing that annoyed me the most is that it has reach. I think I'm the only person that immediately killed the bucket. Everyone around me just let it go forever. Yeah. Uh, 
one of the guys that I went to pre-release with, he had two of them, and he wasn't going to run them at first. And I told him he needs to you know, put those in. He dealt 12 damage in one game with one bucket. So imagine what you can God. do with two of them. Yeah, I think this card is overlooked a lot just because it's a wall. People are like, I don't want walls. I want to kill people. But this one kills people, and it's a one-power wall, with which... Usually you can chump, you can often, chump yeah. block stuff and nothing happens. They just bounce yeah. off. But the fact that it has one power means it might be able to kill yeah. stuff. We talk about incidental life gain and just incidental damage is also just good. good. All right, so the next one I only actually played against in just a fun game uh, with one of the, with the guys I went to the shop with. Uh, so we've got Piper of the Swarm. It's one in a black. It is a rare and a 1-3. It's a creature, human warlock, which is one of the new subtypes. It has Wrath you control, have menace. Uh, for one in a black, tap create a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token. So with it, and it's a menace 1-1. One, yeah, one. super good. Uh, and then for two black black, tap it, sacrifice three rats, gain control of target creature. So this card has everything you need in those situations. It has creatures with menace, right? It has tokens that you can just pump out yeah. at instant speed. Evasion. For, yeah, uh, for blocking if you need to. It can They can attack if you, you know, are able to, uh, whether you're chumping or attacking, whatever. But then you also can just stall out a board steal your opponent's creatures and just every four was it three or four turns you just steal the creature you're never going to attack you're never going to block with this guy but it just it will win the grinded games for you on its own and you're going to kill your opponent with their own stuff all right so my number one was actually questing beast but we've already talked about that so uh i gotta make a shout out to lock serpent so i just read this card it's so stupid good <laughs> so lock serpent is four blue black for a seven seven serpent it has flash it has Tap blue, sacrifice an island. Lockmere Serpent can't be blocked this turn. So in the control match, it's going to finish the game. An yeah. evasive 7-7 seven, seven for 6 with flash. I'm already in. Yeah, so you flash it in and get the block, but we're not done. For black, sacrifice a swamp. You gain one life and draw a card. First time I read this card, I was like, oh, draw a card in black, you're losing a life. Right, When That's I played against I this card, the guy was down to 2 life. He went up to 5 and won the game because of this card. And then he's got blue and black. Exile five target cards from an opponent's graveyard. Return Lockmere Serpent from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So it's got Grave Hate. It's got Recursion. It's got Unblockable if you need it. It can draw you life. Somehow it has life gains. Yeah. Like, it has so much going on with it. That's a goddamn good card. Yeah. I like it. Like, if this card doesn't see You have to be play, committed to Demir, but... I honestly don't I think mean, you do. If you're committed to either blue or... Or black. I yeah. Mean, th the splash is so easy. Like, it's going to be late, which means that you're going to have time to get your fixing and things like that. It's going to be great. I'll take that. And last but not least, we got Garion. Um, So, obviously, I have Questing Beast on my list. He's just, I mean, like we were saying, boogeyman-esque. Yeah. If, if he lands it, it's really fucking hard to get rid of it. He's one of those things that you, if you know you're playing against it, you just save your removal spell yeah. the whole game until it comes yeah, out. Yeah, no matter what's coming at you. I sideboarded it in hand attack. Yeah. to try and beat yep. it the second time Same. I played it because I, I needed an answer. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that when you venture into standard, people are going to be running all four of them. All right, so my next card on here, not the most impressive card for sure. The but goose! The goose, the gilded goose. But like we said, food tokens turned out to be so annoying and better than anybody probably would have imagined when they read the first few cards. I To be fair, I don't think it's better than I thought it was going to be. But I didn't expect people to invest so much in yeah. it, if that makes sense. This card just really wrecked my games 
I went one, one, and one. And the games that I lost, the game that I lost, and the game that I went to time, <laughs> Gilded Goose played a part because. So what is Gilded Goose? It's one green for a zero-two creature bird with flying. Makes sense. When Gilded Goose enters the battlefield, create a food token. So automatically you get a food token. One in a green and tap Gilded Goose, create a food token. Tap, sacrifice the food, add one mana of any color. So this is both food creation all day and a payoff for your food tokens should you not need the life gain. Yeah, it's a bad birds of paradise. Yeah. But also that can gain you life. Yeah, yeah and it was just so Yeah, it was just so weird because you go through some of those turns later in the game especially guys who are playing green and they've got six eight ten mana they play out their hands or they play out some of their creatures and they still have two mana fucking left over so they're creating a food every turn yeah like i said this uh, this format can be grindy and later on in the game you look and you go okay i have attacks i don't quite have lethal but i can really do some damage and then you look and they have five food tokens that can gain them life and eight fucking mana you go if i don't finish them now i revert back to this turn what do you do at that point you know it was just so weird the dynamics that it created and the last one on your list we've got i would call him this next card another one of the sort of boogeymen of this set although i was lucky enough to have my opponent drop it too late in our game and i still won it's garrick cursed huntsman he's four black green for a five loyalty planeswalker for zero loyalty create two 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 black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies put a loyalty counter on each garrick you control garrick tribal fuck negative three destroy target creature draw a card pretty good okay yeah negative six you get an emblem with creatures you control get plus three plus three and have trample overrun always virtually free yeah um when he landed this immediately created two wolves i had to kill the wolves they died he ultimated next turn and and i thought if i can't finish this game and this turn or the next one there's no way i win luckily i drew into really good removal um but i think i think this specific planeswalker could be really consequential in the game all right, so we're going to go through this next part as fast as we can. Uh, we're looking at the cards and archetypes we want to try and draft. We've already talked about limited seal specifically. Uh, draft, Corey, you've got Piper of the Swarm first on your list. Yeah, so the idea was just to try and get all the cards that make rats and just make rat tribal. <laughs> like, there aren't really very many good rat cards. I think it's they're all in Rakdos colors. Yeah. So you just make as many rats as possible and then piper gives them menace you start swinging in they start stealing stuff i think that would just be a lot of fun all right next one we've got i put this one on your list because i figured it was going to be on your list yeah this one if i could ever pull this off it'd be so dope so i've got iron crag feet and sundering stroke so iron crag feet is a sorcery it's one red 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 add seven red mana you can cast only one more spell this turn so you do a ton of ramping but you only get one thing, so make it good. The next card, Sundering Stroke, is six in red for another sorcery. Sundering Stroke deals seven damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three targets. Anything or, you want. If at least seven red mana was spent to cast a spell, instead, Sundering Stroke deals seven damage to each of those permanents and or players. Combo. So 
You make seven mana, perfect. You can only cast one spell. I have this seven drop that cares about seven red mana. 21 damage. Boom. <laughs> yeah, this game. This card also just finishes games. Yeah, like, yeah I, I got killed stalled, by it. Yeah, stalled board states. Seven mana, you're going to get there. Hey, seven damage to your face. Yeah, it's like, uh, I can't get through. I'll just kill you. Nah. <laughs> okay, my next one is seven dwarves. <laughs> one in red for a 2-2 two, two creature dwarf. Seven Dwarves gets plus one, plus one for each other creature named Seven Dwarves you control. I'm deck curious. can have up to seven cards named Seven Dwarves. I'm not so curious. <laughs> so the idea behind this is to just draft Seven Dwarves, <laughs> just seven of them. And the thing is, is that I, I think that this is potentially viable in draft, just because I think taking the risk on the Dwarf is so high that most people are just like, I don't know if I'm going to get seven. But like realistically, the, the mana cost to get just a normal creature like if you have two or three of them then you're paying like assuming they're out at the same time of course then you're paying like two mana for a three three or a four four yep okay drew what do you got uh we got the bucket i mean brimstone (laughs) trebucket trebuchet however you want to say it uh pingers are always way more powerful than what most people realize like i put this on the list before i saw it in action and then I saw an action, and I wanted to play with it limited. I didn't get any in limited, even though I played a second pre-release of Martin Knights. It didn't go. I I swear, if I played any limited, any sealed event, and I had Brimstone Trebuchet, it doesn't matter what colors I'm in, I'm probably going to splash for it. Forcing the bucket. <laughs> well, just because there's, there's knights literally in, ev- or, yeah, knights in every color, yeah, right? And true. so it's not like you're not going to get payoffs. Uh, the next one I have is, all right, so this is, this is what I, I came up with, the red, blue, is it? It's called... Red, blue, draw two. It's fun Ooh, to say and fun to play. So cute. Uh, I think it's probably also as good as Grixis. I think there's some Grixis payoffs uh, that you get the extra card draw from. Uh, there's one you draw two, you pay two life. Uh, but if you have Adamant, you make a food token. So realistically, it's like pay six mana, draw two, gain a life. Like I, like over two turns, that's totally fine. Um, the first card I have here, because I, I have two. One of them is Mad Ratter, which is what kind of Cory strategy would play into three and a red for a one two whenever you draw your second card each turn create two one one black rat creature tokens so if you're running grixis like you're probably gonna get the payoff off of this uh yeah, and the other really one good. is it's really scary yeah it has the potential just to go off i honestly think it's like gonna be decent in commander i've got a couple set aside for different decks because i want to see what it does uh the next one i have is improbable alliance it's blue red for an enchantment which y'all know me love that shit uh whenever you draw your second card each turn create a one one blue fairy creature token flying so it's an enchantment it's cheap i'm drawing cards i'm making tokens like this is is this not like the me card like this, this is, is so aggressively costed too yeah. it's so good and then it has an activated ability because you know you got to have more uh four blue red draw a card then discard a card so you loot on top of that if you have you know late game mana you just start singing that into it you're making various you have other payoffs in blue red like you're, yeah you're drawing answers making tokens getting value uh, and the last one I have here that I want to try and draft is just five color adventures. I don't think it'll necessarily be good, but it's literally just two for ones all day, right? Basically, just magical Christmas land is is the hope. Uh, we've got Rosethorn Acolytes, which has an adventure on it. Uh, you pay a green to make a, a any color of mana, but also it can tap for a green and it costs two a green. So there's a lot going on with it. Uh, we've got Edgeball Innkeeper, which cares again about your adventures. Uh, whenever you cast a creature spell that has an adventure, you draw a card, and it's just a green for a 1-1. So, again, just good value. You're refilling your hand. And then we've got Faeborough Elder, uh, which is one green, white, uh, tree folk druid. It's a 0-0, zero, zero, but it's vigilant. One green, white for 0-0. Zero, zero. So, 
Elder gets plus one, plus one for each color among permanents you control. So already on its own, it's, it's a 2-2. Two, two. Um, and then it has Vigilance and Tap for each color among permanents you control. Add one mana of that color. So I thought I'd see this guy more at pre-release, but I think just in the limited environment, they don't show up a lot. And yeah. It's less I, I think useful. It's, I think it's good, but, but it's also a rare. And yeah. like there's, there's a lot that has to go around to make you it. You stack good. four of these motherfuckers in your deck. I mean, yeah, I think... Standard? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just another Bloom Tender. I think I have it later down on the list. You do, Because yeah. it's fucking it incredible. Yeah. Uh, but basically the idea is that adventures, I think, are going to be based more in green and white. And so that's the reason why I think that that, card, that sort of card is going to be really good. It's, it's good stuff. All right, Garyan? The mill strategy. I think it'd be really cool to draft a whole bunch of, you know, merfolk, fairy, sprites, just a, a big mono blue control mill deck um you've got a lot of these really cool i I have listed on here hypnotic sprite so it's blue blue for a two one creature fairy but she can go on an adventure for two and a blue counter target spell with converted man cost three or less she's got flying so when she finally lands you've got just like you would expect with fairies just evasive creatures you've got flyers um yeah i also ran this card in pre-release yeah i just like the flavor because it's it's a counter spell but the creature is the double blue. Yeah. The classic counterspell cost. Now, this is more magical Christmas land. Uh, but if you could snag up a Garrick during your draft setting. I mean, any of the planeswalkers in the set are going to be powerful. I think that yeah. all of them, oh, yeah. especially in the colors that they are, are going to be powerful, right? Um, I would love to do some sort of Sultai grow deck where you're just pumping creatures, creating fatties, ramping hard. Um and then, like I said, if it's Christmas time and Santa really loves you, snag up Anoka, you know what I mean? You just get as many of those real... Pack one, pick one, Garrick. Pack two, pick one, Oka. Yeah. Jeez. And then you go to Vegas. Pack, one, <laughs> pack three, pick one. You also have Stone Coil Serpent on you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you If, if you're you going to be greedy them, and yeah. you know want Magic Christmas Land, that's the way to go. But, I mean, realistically, any one of these cards, I think, would be really fun in a Sultai Grow style deck you've got good removal in black and then you use that simic base to just pump big fatties and um and then another strategy i was talking about was murderous rider um so this is you know the knight's deck we've got one black black for a two three creature zombie knight with lifelink and when murderous rider dies put it on the bottom of its owner's library you can also send him on an adventure for one black black destroy target creature or planeswalker you lose two life so removal knights i think the knights deck is really strong in this set um but unfortunately in the limited pool it was just sort of a toss-up whether or not you got enough for it to really reach that critical mass yeah for shield you you basically just have to force it which is what i did yeah and unfortunately i think in draft it probably is one of the stronger archetypes so you still might not see as many knights as you'd like to but i I think think the problem is yeah exactly is that you're fighting other people so you might not be able to get the like card pool that you need yeah but i think you have a better chance than you would in just a random box of you yeah. know pre-release packs right. or whatever we've gone through some stuff we're, we've got more on the list here uh but let's get back to these drinks gary you've got some banana bread banana, banana. from wells so very banana the more you drink it i think the more the sweeter banana comes out got well, like you said it's fruity got, banana esters yeah and it's definitely that older, ripe, ripe banana flavor. Um, there's like subtle spice in there to give it sort of the banana bread kind of. Also, to me, it's uh, like thing. 
a weedy beer that has you know some sweetness yeah. to it that comes from the banana. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I it's think I've very, had that one before. Good. I think it's good. Yeah. I I was just, I kept asking Drew and Gary and was like have you have we had them on the show I think I've had this beer but nope. I think I'm I've sure. had it before because I was like ooh banana bread I I can deal yeah. with that like I said yeah, I would that not good. buy that for myself uh, we've yeah. got the Founders Backwood Blaster uh, it's a wee heavy ale or Scotch ale aged in bourbon barrels it's good like it you honestly can't taste the bourbon that much yeah uh, it definitely increased the alcohol content of it the Smells there. It's got a light. It still has that bizarre, salty soy sauce smell. Yeah, if you guys ever get a chance to try this beer, <laughs> try it and tell us what you think it smells like. <laughs> it's not as complex as some of the other Scotch Ales we've had, but yeah. it, it's still just a, a damn good beer. Yeah, so it's incredibly smooth. Yeah, it's It does smooth, feel a little sweet. one note. Yeah, it's got just like a really nice malty body yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, there's like a very tiny, tiny amount of bitterness to it. it Smooth as fuck. Yeah, I think a lot of the Scotch ales we've had have just been one note, but that one note is super good and unique, so I think that's okay. So I had the Boulevard Bourbon Barrel Quad Barrel Aged Ale. This is the one that just smells like alcohol, but it doesn't taste like alcohol. And it's still the same. It still tastes incredibly sweet and just mellow. A lot smoother than I thought it was going to be. It's an in-between color between mine and Drew's, so the banana bread is pretty opaque golden it's, it's, it's like an amber, amber yeah and then mine is a darkish amber and then drew's is dark <laughs> yeah that's just sweet to me yeah it's just a, a nice sweet yeah the alcohol malt. nose with sweetness but yeah it's sweet malty like a malt heavy beer and the sweetness is like the strongest thing and again there's like uh kind of on the sides of my tongue just a little bit of bitterness going on to it yeah i thought it was going to be just a, a dark heavy ale but it's just an incredibly... Ooh, that's interesting. Incredibly Sorry, light. just like tasting these last... These all again real quick in succession. It's kind of like a, the alcohol burn that you get from like a whiskey or something like that in my throat. Really? Which I didn't have on the first go. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't taste the, the alcohol really. Yeah, the as it's been sitting more, the bourbon is definitely coming through a lot yeah. more. All right, let's get back to the cards here. Let's talk about constructed formats. Uh, standard, modern. Uh, we have a separate section for commander because that is... I feel like different from these 60 card formats. A little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the first one I have on my list is Seven Dwarfs. We talked yeah. about it. Like, draft is going to be unreliable. You might as well just put seven of them in your deck. It's over 10% of your actual deck. I'm sure you could do some really aggressive red strategies with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if you keep just playing two mana five fives, like, you're probably going to win. Yeah. Like, it's exactly what red wants to do. Low costed threats to, you know, are worth more than a counter spell. Uh, next one I have on my list is just kind of the. Classic aristocrats. I want to do mono black. We've got Ayara, first of Lockthwain for black, black, black. She's a legendary creature, elf noble for two, three. Whenever she or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So a nice kind of drain effect there. And then you can sacrifice another black creature to draw a card. So again, we've got this aristocrat strategy, like all baked into one creature, but she pairs really well with one of the commons in the set. We've got Cauldron Familiar. So Cauldron Familiar. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses one life, you gain one life. So that synergy again there. Uh, and then it has sacrifice of food, return a cauldron familiar from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's got a nice reanimate effect going on there. And if you have IR out, then that's a double drain. You're getting a four-point life swing whenever this thing comes in if IR is out. Uh, but that also pairs really well with Giant Opportunity. Fuck. Which I've seen only one person play, and it seemed to be pretty damn good. So... It's two and a green for sorcery. You may sacrifice two foods if you do create a 7-7 green giant creature token. 
So three mana, seven, seven, seems decent. I wish I pulled one of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, create three food tokens. So if you don't sacrifice and you just want the foods, that's great. You get Cauldron Familiar. It comes out. You tap Ayara. You sack it. You sack a food. You get it. So a bunch of life gain here in green and black. And then the last card I have for this particular deck is... Samesies. Deathless Knight. We've yeah. got four black, green. It's the Golgari hybrid Hybrids. mana. Uh, it is a 4-2 Skeleton Knight. Has haste, which you don't often see in these colors. Yeah, this is a weird one. Uh, whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, return Deathless Knight from your graveyard to your hand. So it's got this built-in recursion. You're running black-green only in the deck anyways. It's going to be a 4-mana four 4-2 four haste. It's aggressive. It comes back to your hand. You don't have to worry about it dying. Like You just continue to swing. It triggers Ayara. It's a sack creature that you can do for Ayara. Um, so the cat drains on ETB. Ayara draws cards for sacking the cat. You need food tokens to bring back the cat, and that allows you to double drain with Ayara. And then Deathless Knight, I think, is just a nice, like probably a top end on this deck. I think you'd probably yeah. don't go more than four. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I can just see it. You swing, you play Deathless Knight, swing with Deathless Knight, sack it to Ayara, draw a card, get the knight back because you do some other stuff, and then just keep going into these loops. Yeah, and even if you don't get the knight, then the cat on its own, like, enters the battlefield, drains. Ayara sees the black creature enter the battlefield, drains. You sack it, you draw a card, you sack a food, it comes back, you drain. Like, it's just super synergistic. Um, the last one I have on my list is just a card for standard in general. We've got Murderous Rider. Uh, so, your comment on this list is great. Well, did a three CMC kill spell that can target planeswalkers. Really good. Right, which, what, Hero's Downfall, Hero's I think, Downfall, yeah. in Theros was like the version of this. Did it really need to also give you a great and difficult to remove creature? Right? <laughs> like Arian Red, Murderous Rider before, it kills creature or planeswalker. It's a 2-3 creature that when it dies, goes to the bottom of your library if you have shuffle effects or just have multiple in your deck. I know, right? They, they took... One of the better removal spells, and then just made it better. <laughs> made it better. Like <laughs> allows you to cast it, and then through a creature, that you, can put you get on. just more value off of an already incredible spell. Um, so on my list here, I've also got Deathless Knight. I think the Golgari Life Gain slash Regrowth could be really strong in a standard environment where you're choosing every card in the deck. Um, I think Fighting Fudons is you know. Good stuff. Uh, I, I'm Shout glad <laughs> that you also put Deathless Knight on your list because sometimes I look at these hybrid mana cost cards and feel like I have like a nostalgia for them because I kind of fell in love with these types of cards with Fable of Wolf and Owl. Um, but these cards are just really good and they really drive you to a strategy. They tell you exactly what you're going to do. And like you said, with this one, I think that's the top end that's where you want to go that has haste i mean come on what the fuck else do you need you pop them bad boys out all day um another deck i would really love is the yorvo of the garenbrig mono green and maybe simic depending on how you build it but just big fat fat fatties uh he's three forest mana three green for a zero zero legendary creature, Giant Noble, Yorvo, Lord of the Garenbrig, enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. Whenever another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Yorvo. Then if that creature's power is greater than Yorvo's, put another plus one plus one counter on it. I just don't like that you said three forest mana. Yeah, I was thinking about that the entire time. I was like, I don't know what you're reading. I don't three care. green. <laughs> forest, forest, forest. Um, so he's 
for the way that I think he'll play and the way that he'll land, I think he's actually really cheap. Um, yeah, he's definitely aggressive. Have to be hard green for yeah, sure. Exactly. He's but, aggressively costed for sure. Uh, I, I really like this guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, three mana four four. Yeah, I'll, I'll play that. It. Three mana five. That five? can only get bigger. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Um, and then the other uh, card I have on here is my signpost for Adventure Tribal. I guess we were kind of talking maybe five color for an adventure theme, but probably Selesnya. It's got to be base green. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of what you do, it's base green. Um, but one of the cards that I really like is Lucky Clover. It's two colorless for an artifact. Whenever you cast an adventure, instant, or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So we know doubling our really good effects is always good. This is not a sorcery. This is not a fork spell. This is a static ability that now all of your adventures are twice as good. I think it has potential, but I don't know if I want to devote that much like resources into having a card that doesn't just already give me a two for one. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, think, I think when it's good, it's I think great. the build around is yeah, fun. I think, yeah, in, in a standard environment, I think, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think the fact that it's just a, a two-mana artifact means you can just, it's so versatile, you can put it in any yeah. sort of colors that you want it to go into. Yeah, for sure. Just, All right, Corey, what have you got? Okay, we've got the Clackbridge Troll for the first one. He's a beast. This guy, I didn't, luckily, I didn't get to play against him because he's terrible. <laughs> he's a three black black for an 8-8. Eight, eight. Five Trample mana, haste. Eight five. <laughs> what the hell? Eight, eight haste. Eight. Jeez. Eight. I thought it was an eight five for some reason. No. No. When people talk about power creep, it's shit like this. Black having haste and trample on an eight eight that costs five. Yeah. There are some downsides, if you can call them that. Barely. It's has two more abilities. The first one reads: When Clackbridge Troll enters the battlefield, target opponent creates three zero one white goat creature tokens. Hundred percent flavor. I love it. Yeah. So they yeah. just get some chumps. And then the last ability is at the beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If a player does, tap Clackbridge Troll. You gain three life. And? And you draw a card. Usually, so five mana, gain nine life, draw three cards? I'm down. And also have an 8-8 eight, eight <laughs> that does trample. Yeah. And oh, so fuck. usually you have to pay life to draw cards. This one, it's just sacrifice they have to sacrifice things that they have and yeah. you gain life and get value. And the fact that he has haste means that you don't give your opponent an opportunity to draw into removal. The very first turn, you're getting value from this. Yeah, moment. they have to sack one of the goats. Yeah, and so I had just the idea that you play engineered plague in modern, choosing goats. Then you play this, <laughs> make all the goats die instantly so they have to sacrifice their good stuff or you swing with an 8-8 trample haste. Yeah. <laughs> I just think this card is a monster and limited i just i think it'd be a really strong card in just a standard or modern deck and all these borderless cards are so tight 10 out of 10 all right next one on your list next one it's emery lurker of the lock it's two and a blue for one two legendary creature merfolk wizard it this spell costs one less cast for each artifact you control and there's a lot of cheap artifacts especially in blue when emery lurker of the lock enters the battlefield put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard so a little self-mill action. Tap it. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. It doesn't matter if you milled it this turn. It doesn't matter if it was there from some other means. Whatever you have, you can cast it. So I think this would be a really strong build. Maybe not in um, standard, but probably in she's, modern. Yeah, she's going to see modern. Where you I'd can be surprised if she fuck around with some crazy strategies. Because, uh, I mean, even just a one mana one two is pretty okay to play. But the fact that it just synergizes so well with an artifact 
mill theme. Well, I mean, she works in dredge. She works just on her own with artifacts. <laughs> dredge. Yeah. A sultai dredge. Yeah. She, I think, I didn't see any any play at pre-release, but I can, I, I get that. But I think she's one, just one of those cards, especially as a legendary creature, that n- requires a build around to yeah. really take advantage of. Especially with what she synergized with. You need artifacts. Yeah. yeah. The last one you have is the card that I was most looking forward to playing yeah, in pre-release. Same. But I saved that just because I figured one of you guys would talk about it. I wish I drew one of these. It is Outlaw's Merriment. It's one red, or it's one red, white, white. So four mana enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one at random. I love <laughs> cards that say at random. Create a red and white creature token with those characteristics. I don't think we've ever seen that line on a magic card before. No, that's random. Yeah. Like just saying characteristics is. I think it's it's a weird concept, but I like the direction that it's going. So it has three things. You make a 3-1 human warrior with trample and haste. Okay. A 2-1 human cleric with lifelink and haste. Okay. Sweet. A 1-2 human rogue with haste. And when this creature enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. It might not be exactly what you need at the moment, but you're always getting something good, something you can use. Especially in Boros colors, yeah. when you just want to swing. And you get them for free. Like yeah. It is four mana, which kind of tops out on the those aggressive decks, but yeah. just a free creature every single turn to just attack, they all have ping, haste, yeah. lifelink. Like, against the, the Boros matchup, that lifelink, if, if you happen to roll that, like... Yeah, yo. and then if you just pair this with, like, equipment or just pump spells or anything, you're going to be getting in. All right, so that's kind of our, our take on standard, modern, those kind of constructed formats. Uh, I don't think... Anything really is going to see legacy or vintage play? I don't no, think I don't, I don't think the set was designed with that in mind. All right. That's okay. But let's talk about commanders. Try and again, wrap this up as fast as we can. Gary, you're up first. Gadwick with a wizened for sure. Mono blue control, heavy draw, cantrips. We're just going full fucking tempo. It's blue sun zenith as a creature. Yep. Gadwick the wizened, it's X. Blue, blue, blue for a 3-3 legendary creature human wizard. And when he enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Already like it. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. So you're just flying through the deck, tapping down opponents, swinging for lethal. Probably not lethal, but you're swinging hard. Uh, I I think he's a really good card. And I think he, with the right build, he'd be a tight commander. Yeah, with infinite mana. You just <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, infinite Oops. mana, you lab man, boom, done. Yeah. yeah. All right, Corey, what have you got? So I've got Rankle, Master of Pranks. It is two black, black, three, three, flying haste, fairy rogue. Dude's a real bastard. He's another <laughs> asshole to play against yeah. in limited. See, this is like the set that irks me the most as far as like, yeah, I understand like flavor and stuff like that. But we just did a color, color wheel series talking about... What colors get what mechanics? And yeah, like, and this black is like, gets haste, nah. it gets trample. They get yeah. Well, Golgari has had a very subtle undertone of haste. If Two you, creatures? No, there were like six. There's like the, the six skeleton. in thousands of right, cards. Right, right, right. No, I'm not saying that it was a big thing, but now they're just lean and heavy. They're like, you know what? Black needs a little more. How help. do we make black better? Black green specifically. It doesn't right? yeah. need it, but let's just do it. All right. So how are you building this, dude? Okay, wait. Let me finish reading the card. Okay. Oh, you weren't done. Okay. So exactly, yeah. Whenever Rankle Master Prank steals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card, or each player sacrifices a creature. And so how I envisioned this deck was just a lot of hand attack and sacrifice themes. So you don't care that you're 
discarding cards or sacrificing creatures or anything because you can just keep getting them back because a lot of mono black recursion heavy cards. So I just put a couple cards here. The first one was Bone Miser, which is one of the new commander cards. Then we got Mind Slicer, which is just a pain in the ass that I've always wanted to play. <laughs> and Awaken the Erstwhile, which everyone hates. <laughs> but I think Hand Attack, you don't see it very often in Commander, just because everyone hates it and will target you for it. But I think Rankle, he just gets so much value off of being able to do all of these versatile things that he'd be a really, really good build around just for that theme. Yeah, agreed. And I think he... I've I've been meaning to build a Nico Bolas discard deck for a while, and I think Rankle would slot so hard into that. For sure. <laughs> okay, Drew, what do you got? So there was three that I was I was looking at for this set. We've got Torbrand. Uh, Torbrand, Thane of Redfelt. One, Red, Red, Red for two, four, Legendary Creature, Dwarf Noble. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage. Plus two instead. He, I've been looking at building a mono red deck. Do you feel like this would scale in commander? Absolutely. He makes burn actually doable. With one a, mana, five life, yeah. lightning bolt. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Someone who loves to force mono red in cube. Yeah, I think the important note is that it's red source. Yeah. So all of your creatures and everything. So like that. all your creatures right. and spells, yep. which a lot of burn is just yep. spells. Uh, another one I was looking at was Emery, which Corey talked about. Artifacts. I have an artifact deck. Yeah. I just slot her in and we're off to the races. Yeah, it'd be so good. And I ended up deciding on Ayara, first of Lockthrain, which I've already talked about. So Big nah, surprise. I, I'm, I'm Aristocrats. On Aristocrats. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Uh, but the idea is that it, it's mono black value. It's creature heavy, yep. though. Uh, we just use classic black staples uh, and some aristocrat strategies just to attrition out my opponents. Blood artist? I mean, I'm not going to not put in it. <laughs> that's that's one of those. Just even if you're not playing aristocrats, I mean, really, is, probably, is yeah. pretty okay. To yeah, have but the first one in. you have listed, Yeheni. Yeah, we've got Yeheni, uh, which is actually the commander that I started to kind of like build a deck around. It's the one that I, I was planning on using. Yeah, I've, but I've been. Tinkering with the Yehenny deck too, uh, but I then with Yehenny comes Yehenny's expertise, which is just you know for flavor, just as much as it is you know a nice little board wipe. Uh, Borlas the Citadel, because we all know how powerful that is. And if we're doing Borlas the Citadel, and if I want to spend a little extra cash, maybe I throw in a little Karik, just a little one. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. We've got Elbrus the Binding Blade because it turns into a giant demon that just if you can get it Jesus. off, it's going. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, We've got Shieldred, again, Mono Black Staple. Real good. Uh, Erebos, Whip of Erebos. Yep. Do I have to continue saying Mono Black Staples, or or are we good here? Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) Mono Black just does what Mono Black does so well, and so all of these guys are just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'll just throw that in the deck. Yeah, it's good. And little sub-theme of life gain or just, like, drain effects, because that's what IRA does. Uh, But there's actually a lot of new cards that I think I would just immediately slot in. We've got Rankle, which Corey talked about. Uh, Sir Conrad. Surprise. Aristocrats yet again. he's, He's sort of a blood artist commander yeah and so I'll, I'll actually read sir conrad here so he's three black black for legendary creature human knight he's a five four whenever another creature dies or a creature is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield so let's talk about your opponents you whatever uh whether you mill maybe you know it doesn't matter uh or a creature leaves your graveyard so if they exile you exile them again doesn't matter uh Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent. So many ways you can peck away at your opponent's life total. If damage is not drained, but it's more of that like classic blood artist effect. Creature dies, goes to the graveyard, whatever. You're just pinging them 
And it's each opponent, so he fits right yeah, in. Yeah, he exactly. works really, really well with Delve. Yeah. yeah. And then because of what Corey just said, we've got an ability on here. One in the black, each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Yeah, so if you can make infinite black mana, you can just mill everybody out. Ping them to death. And yeah. Again, this is a creature-heavy deck, so yeah. you're going to you're gonna get value off your own stuff. Hopefully kill the people before you get milled yourself. <laughs> uh, we've got Cauldron of Eternity which I'm not going to read because there's a lot going on. Wish Claw Talisman, which is a lot of tutor effects. It's kind of group hug tutors. <laughs> yeah. You get a tutor, they get a tutor, you get another tutor. Uh, and if then, you get this card in limited, do not fall for it. Yeah. Don't tutor unless you can win. <laughs> yeah, I've got this card. I've had it. And I was just like, uh, I'm not going to play that because I don't know what my opponents have. And the last one we have is Witch's Cottage, which is a land. It's a swamp, enters the battlefield untapped if you control three or more swamps. Otherwise, it enters tapped. And if it does enter the battlefield untapped, you can put a creature from your graveyard on top of your library. So you just kind of fix your draw. Uh, it's really good in limited. It was a lot of fun. I had like three throughout my pre-releases. Uh, let's go to... Top 99. Does that work? Or the top cards that we want in our 99. Maybe right. the top 99 cards. That seems like a long <laughs> Top <list>. 99. <laughs> uh, for me, we've got Stormfist Crusader. Uh, it's black, red. When, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card, loses a life. It goes my Nekusar deck. It is another Nekusar, but it's cheap, and it's just good. This card actually won me a game because my opponent, opponent. played it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why did you fucking do that, bud? Yeah, I, I think told you I didn't have my colors. very good in Arachdos, yeah. like aggro deck, but I think it just, it just goes in Echosar. Yeah. Uh, number two, we've got the Great Henge. Uh, it goes in Elves, Big Stompy, anything really. Uh, it ramps, it draws cards, plus one plus one counters on creatures, and it can cost as little as just green, green. My I number think a one, lot of times in EDH it will. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my number one is Mirror Maid. It's an enchantment that copies the best enchantment or artifact on the field. Real good. It. I mean, as enchantment players like I, I want as many of these as i can possibly have yeah a lot of clone clone cards be, become either a creature an enchantment right. or an artifact and this one luckily becomes an art enchantment or an artifact yep, yep. Uh, and then i've got my quick honorable mentions here uh and I, when i was making this list i was like when did i become a blue player <laughs> uh but we've got the magic mirror basically all my blue decks can take it cares about instants and sorceries yeah, it's, and it's, it's really, really, really good really it draws good. you shitload of cards uh, it's card drop, it's no max hand size, it's everything I want out of a blue artifact. Um, next one we have is Fabled Passage. I want to put this in literally every EDH deck. It's an evolving wilds that actually becomes even better late game. Like if it if you ever have a fetch land that brings a land in untapped, you'll know the value of that card. I think this is going to turn into another command tower in that it's a staple. I think it'll go because so many people I'm play evolving wild i think you just run evolving wilds regardless so yeah but i mean like a better version of that yeah i think this goes in every commander deck i bet people unless it's really crazy expensive people are going to put it yeah Yeah, i agree and the last one i have is hushbringer because it's it's a hate bear i pulled one and i wanted to play it and then i looked and i was like i've got a lot of things that care about etps maybe i don't i was gonna say does this slot into gaddock teague or does it shut gaddock yeah Yeah. i pulled one and i had (laughs) actually had it out in a pre-release game and my opponent he played the Yorvold, the green mm-hmm. green yeah. enters with counters, sure. and that didn't happen. Yeah. And he played a three three, three man- for zero zero, yeah. and three he just died. Man- <laughs> three <is> rough, uh, <laughs> but it's a fairy, which is you know tight. Uh, flying lifelink creatures enter the battlefield, or when they die, don't cause abilities to trigger. So it fucks on my aristocrats, which is real rough. But also just like that canceling ETBs. There's a lot of creatures, especially in commander, that have ETBs. Yeah, a really powerful thing to do in commander is just abuse ETBs, and cards like this just shut those whole decks and off. And for two mana, yeah. it's great. It's, yeah, it's really good. Corey, you're up next. What you got? Okay. My first card is Embercleave. Yeah. I'm still trying to analyze this card. It's, I hate this card because I love it so much because I have I got destroyed by it 
in pre-release, but it's a legendary artifact equipment for four red red with flash. This spell costs one less cast for each attacking creature you control. So as little as red red. When it enters the battlefield, attaches target creature you control. Auto equips. Awesome. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, has double strike and trample. So just play it during combat, put it on your biggest thing. You're probably going to swing for a lot of damage. And the worst part, it has equipped three. It's a six drop artifact equipment with equipped three. So you play it on something, give a trample, get some damage. Even if that thing dies, you can just throw it on something else. Yeah. Yeah, I think the reason why I'm having a hard time evaluating this is that I've kind of trended away from creature decks at all. Like, I don't really play creatures that much in any of my decks, so this just seemed like it's six mana. I'm not really attacking with creatures. It's always going to be six mana. Equip cost three. It's kind of expensive. Yeah, it's obviously really, really good in aggro strategies. So what deck and what's the idea? So I I just need one just for my Boar God deck. (laughs) Just to insta-kill people. Because... You want to attack a lot, and the good thing about the Borgod is that you're cheating things out, so you hopefully have all your mana up, and so you can put this on the Borgod, give it plus one, plus one, double strike, and just kill people out of nowhere, because it's, it's already 6-6, six, six, so if you give it, seven, make it a 7-7, seven, 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 14 damage, 14 damage and if you already hit them one time before, that's 20 damage, and then you can just keep going from there. Yeah. All right, next on your list, you've got Faber Elder. We kind of talked about that before. Yeah, this is another Bloom Tender. Everybody knows how good Bloom Tender is. Like, MBD. Is you, yeah, you don't need to talk about Bloom Tender. Goes in literally every deck that you have like three colors or more. Yeah. Like even just in it's, two colors, it's a three mana mana dork that gives you two colors back. Yeah, it's one of the best mana dorks of all time. And Faber Elder costs one more mana, but it makes one more mana when you tap it right from and the get-go. it's more resistant. Mana. Yeah. Okay, and then my last card is Castle Ventress. Drew was talking about mono blue staples, and I think this one is up there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call this one a staple, but I think it, it's damn good. Yeah, Did so you pull one of these? No, I wish. I pulled the foil. Oh, shit. You want it? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I Fight. Mo- I Fight. Have, so do you have a mono blue deck? There, in this set, there, were, there was a cycle of lands that were all castles, and a lot of them yeah. did different effects okay I, sorry I, I just have to interrupt because all of the castles are themed after something else yeah in, they're in, all like, super cool like the black pop one is references. star wars the red one is the village from princess mononoke uh the the, the white one is the Minas Tirith from lord of the rings yeah. and the the green one is pride rock from lion king yeah it's just and the blue one i'm pretty sure is from world of warcraft or something like that yeah i think so it's but it's all really cool pop culture references. Yeah, you should look at the art. But this is a land that enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island. And you tap it to add a blue, but the main part is two blue blue. You tap it to scry two. I just think that it's a little on the steep side, but I think the value you get off of this. All right, last but not least, Garion. Let's go. Quick. So I'll go through mine real quick because my number one was Garrick. Uh, on my notes for... Uh, this guy, I just wrote, um, he is good. He's real good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he good. <laughs> Stone Coil Serpent, also really good. I think he would probably slot into a lot of uh, EDH decks that just know they're going to have a lot of mana. One of my promo cards was the Stone, Stone Coil Serpent. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I got was... him in the second pre-release I played. Yeah. But I'm casting him for four, five, six. It oh, yeah. literally didn't matter. He scales so perfectly with the game protection from multicolored. It's insane. <laughs> it was like... Stone Coil Serpent. Uh, I talked about the Lockmere Serpent, 
And it, like the the guy that I played against, actually one of one of the, my buddies that we play with over at uh, Gameopolis, and he flashed us in, and he tried to block, and I was just like, protection from multicolored, <laughs> and he was just like, oh. Oh, fuck. and just like the look on his face, just like I fucked up. How did I miss this? <laughs> yeah, well, and because the cost is only X, like yeah. you said, it scales, it scales so perfectly. no matter what, and it has reach and trample. It's like it's the just... ultimate blocker. And yeah, it's, it's the one of the best X spells that is like this. Yeah, yeah. And Sean, I was playing against Sean, and he had the Demir card that you get a steal card from somebody's from hand and exile guy. it, and he stole my serpent, played it for seven. And then I lost the game because yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the fun game that I played, uh, again, against the same friend, uh, he had Piper, and I was just, like, watching slowly as he ticked up, and I'm just like, he had the spinning wheel, and so he could just tap down my yeah. serpent. And so I just slowly was watching as he was making rats, and I was just like, he's going to kill me with my own creature. Yeah, it and feels I was just bad. Like, nope. Finishers. And then the last one on my list here that I have, I don't know if we've talked about it. If we have, it was very we definitely will if we have. Yeah, I, I talked about it briefly. But. Yeah, it's it's once upon a time. It's one in a green for an instant. And it says, if this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. That's always an, nice. I think that's an interesting mechanic. Yeah. I hope they do more with it. It's like it's a like ley line, line, but yeah. a, little, I, I, a little different. I've been calling it ley line light. A surprise ley line. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any random order. So, so it's this, a card like this good. is already played in modern and it is played heavily in modern, yeah. right? It allows you to fix your mana. It allows you just to get the cards that you need, whether, you know, especially if it's a land. And what Say card you're is that? Tron or something like that. I think Grapple with the Past or something along those lines. And so this allows you to do it for free. Right. And it's about, I think it's the same cost as the other card that's played in Modern anyways. Yeah, it's either better or exactly the same. Yeah. So I really like this, dude. All right. Uh, so we've kind of done some speculation for Standard Modern. Uh, aside from Once Upon a Time, Questing Beast, the the Planeswalkers, is there anything that you think is going to like have effect in any other format i don't think so i think a lot of these cards care about the cards specifically in this set and we've talked a lot about flavor and how much flavor all these cards have and i think a lot of them it's not necessarily tribal except for knights but a lot of them just care about the mechanics only in this set i think the only one we haven't talked about is fervent champion uh it's one red for a one one first strike haste creature it's a human knight whenever uh, it attacks another target attacking knight you control gets plus one plus one until end of turn that's not the part that really has me jazzed for this for one it's a one mana one one has first strike and haste like this just goes in aggressive red decks but it also has equip abilities you activate that target fervent champion costs three less to cast like that's a free sword equip yeah that's that's a, that, that's a really good builder and batter skull for one like that <laughs> there's so many good equipment like if this doesn't see modern play i'll give away my best deck Oh, to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are a select few, but like we said, power level wise, this isn't the most powerful set that's come out in recent years. And so I think the majority of the cards are just going to stay standard playable, but there's a couple gems. All right. Well, the game kind of pushes us to this uh, the best cards in the set then. Where's our gems? I think all three of us at one point had. Uh, Questing Beast, right? Yeah, spoiler alert. It's real good. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's the best card in Limited. I think it's probably going to be one of the best cards in Standard for a long time. Think, we didn't really talk about it. I think it'd be a really fun commander to build around. Oh, yeah. It's a legendary. I always forget that. Yeah. which that would be kind. Cool. The idea behind making creatures legendary is that you balance them, so you can only have one. But one is enough. You don't need more. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. So other, other creatures I have are Gadwick the Wizened, 
and Hushbringer. Which turns we, out we've literally talked about all of those. Yeah, well, yeah. turns but out all these cards. We had a really conversation good. before, and Corey, I threw on an honorable mention for you. We've got Crashing Drawbridge. Yes. But you said it, you think it's secretly a little OP, and I, I don't think it's a secret at all. I think the people <laughs> have figured this card out already. Yeah, so Crashing Drawbridge is a two-mana artifact creature wall, 0-4 defender. You can tap it. Creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. I could put this in my Golgari haste deck. That's the thing. The fact that it's colorless <laughs> yeah. and gives haste to Fuck. colors that don't have haste. To all creatures, not just yeah. target creatures. I think it, it just secretly makes a lot of uh, slower strategies just a lot better. Yeah. That gives that quick punch that... I mean, you, they'll see it coming on like, you know, some other like haste creatures, but it's just like anything I play is free to swing at you now. Yeah, well, and even just and non, yeah, non-combat decks that just want to use their activated abilities. You're yeah, coming true. out right away. True. All right, game, what do you got? So, Once Upon a Time, I think it's a really good about addition. That. Nailed it. Uh, Questing Beast. Wow. Very good. And uh, I don't know how many times I have to say the word Garrick, but dude's fucking good. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> that they brought great. Garrick back and no, they, they weren't fucking around. They made him as powerful as he yeah. should be. Yeah. Uh, for my picks, we've got Once Upon a Time, because the card, I honestly think it, it's just going to see play in a lot it's of formats. Two, it's a two-drop or less yeah. for, <laughs> for just, just value. For, uh, next one I have is Fable Passage. Again, the best Evolving Wilds they've ever printed. Yeah, I'm I glad don't I think one. I need to... Yeah, yeah same. What about uh, 10? Traded Michael for one. Uh, and last one I have is Murder's Rider, because again, a rare from Theros that you've made better is probably still going to see play. Uh, the fact that it's Planeswalkers is tight. Uh, so... If we, as as we're wrapping up here, I think that kind of concludes our best of. If we need to commit to best beer of the show, Drew, what, what do you think? You've had some time to sit on them, savor them. So I honestly, I will defer to you guys on what I what is the best beer. <laughs> but I can distinctly say that the worst beer, and not because it's a bad beer, just because it, I don't think it compares to the other two, is the banana bread. Really? All right. I think that the Boulevard, banana. Boulevard Barrel Aged Quad is very very good uh it's a little too sweet i think for what i what i was expecting but i mean a belgian style quad is is still damn good uh but then this scotch ale another barrel aged it's just good what do you think Corey? i i personally think the banana bread is my favorite i like banana which is why i kind of figured drew wasn't going to go for it i didn't think you'd rank it worse but i guess it makes sense if you hate banana you're not gonna like the beer the founders was just it was salty not in a bad way, but just in a way that's uh, super different for a beer. You know what I mean? I think you have to really be in the mood to chow that guy down. Um, not to say it's a bad beer, but I, I I rank that one the lowest just in flavors of beer. I don't know. So I let both of you guys go first because <laughs> I think the best beer is my beer. So we all think our own beer <laughs> exactly. is the best beer. Yeah. Right. I didn't say my beer enough. was best. I think the Corey and mine... Are about tied, and if Corey Corey says his, then I think his wins. <laughs> I was gonna say I do like the quad. That I was most really excited good. to try Boulevard Squad. Yeah. yeah, I think all of our beers, besides the banana bread, weren't exactly what we were expecting. Yeah, like when you say Scotch Ale, I was expecting something different. I thought it would be a lot heavier than what you had. Drew. Yeah, what's surprisingly light for especially for eleven percent. And then a bourbon barrel quad. Aged Who ale, would be so I thought sweet. it would be yeah. incredibly heavy and smoky, and it was not. And then the banana bread. That one kind of fit what we thought it, it'd be. <laughs> it was basically banana bread, but it was funky and fruity weed, at the same yeah. time. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of weedy ale flavors. Then I, I think we can with. defer the quad. Give them marks for Boulevard. 
I mean, we knew Boulevard was good. Like, yeah. coming into it, we knew what was going on there. And there's a reason why I picked it up. Like, yeah, it was a little more expensive than I probably would have liked to spend for an 11-ounce beer or whatever it is. But, I mean, I'm probably going to get Boulevard every single time I see it, if yeah. it's something I haven't tried. So if you guys yeah. see Boulevard out there, you should try and pick one up, They're no great. matter what it is. We've had... Yeah, we've had the Tank 7 on. <laughs> yeah. We've got this. Uh, hopefully soon we'll have another one from Boulevard. I found it pretty recently, so I'm going to go try and hunt that one down. Uh, but as always, if you've been hanging out with us here, drinking, uh, be responsible. Don't drink and drive. You know, don't underage drink. There's a reason why there's an age limit on it. It's to protect you. And don't drink and drive to protect everyone else on the yeah. streets. Uh, and to protect our podcast, I don't want your mom calling. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be liable. Yeah, uh, I gotta have a have a disclaimer real quick. Of course, you guys can follow us on Twitter, Facebook at UUD Podcast, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Untap, upkeep, drink. Follow us on there. Uh, on Instagram, we've got Drew's Brews. Uh, we kind of maybe messed up a little bit a couple weeks ago. I uh, didn't get the Cali creaming out when I wanted to, but Gary and saved the day. He put it out. He did a double. We got two, him two beers in one day, uh, which is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so be sure to watch the YouTube video on this one, guys, because we're going to show a lot of new cards. Cards are tight. And the art is just 10 out of 10. Yeah, art on this one is sick, especially since we're trying to do like the full arts or alternate arts that they've got on there, promos and things like that. It's awesome. It's sick. Yeah. So thanks for hanging out with us, cracking a can and listening up. Uh, we will see you guys next week. And as always, have fun, but not too much. Yeah.